Welcome to City Limits. I'm Kevin. And I'm Ann. Ann, how you been? It's been a long time. I haven't seen you in a while. It has felt like a long time since we sat down to do one of these shows, Kevin. So, yeah. yeah. But you have seen a lot of me. We've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of family changes. Yeah. Uh, our oldest daughter moved out to Providence and mm -hmm. uh, Liam went back to Chicago and, and Rory's at school. So we are technically empty nesters, I mm -hmm. guess. Who's going to watch the dogs? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Two elderly dogs. But I think that's why they all moved dogs. out. <laughs> and this is the beginning of season two, and That is crazy. Yeah. And I'm sorry to keep you waiting, but we, of course, we had some things going on, but... Um, A blizzard. Well, that didn't really <laughs> impact this show, but... Um, it impacted my back a little <laughs> bit. But there is a lot of stuff that's going on in the city. Mm -hmm. It's been going on in the city. So this episode, while we knock some of the rust off, mm -hmm. will be more of a summary of some of that stuff that's happened mm -hmm. in the, the month that we've been gone. So yeah. let's play some catch-up, Anne. Okay. So one of the big stories, of course, is Fox Rock. Mm -hmm. And they have some changes they do? That's so unusual. <laughs> it's it's fairly <laughs> unusual that they... Yeah. Because their their plan was pretty solid to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is from the ledger on the 18th of January. Um, Which feels like 100 years ago. It was two weeks. Like, yeah. <laughs> the latest edition of Fox Rock Properties plans for the former Ross Lot in downtown Quincy mm -hmm. no longer includes residential units or a hotel, leading some to ask the question... What about the promised affordable housing? Mm -hmm. Fox Rock Properties says the right to develop land at 37R and 86 Parkingway in Quincy Center since 2019, when a complicated deal called the Land Disposition Agreement, which we refer to as an LDA, was first approved. When city councilors voted on the agreement, Fox Rock said it would bring 110 units of affordable or workforce housing to the site. In September of last year, Fox Rocks announced its plan to build a 125-room hotel, 200 residential units, a restaurant, a parking garage, and a six-story medical office and life science building on the property. Recently, however, they developed scrap plans for the hotel and residential units. Mm -hmm. Instead, to build an expanded science building at almost 250,000 square feet, which is a lot, a parking garage, a two-story retail building, and a two-story restaurant. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So, you know, that LDA, I said no to back then. And they also said that they don't know who the life science or who the tenants are going to be. Right. Um, one of the other things that people want to remember, because they're saying this is going to bring commercial property. This is very exciting for Quincy, but it's non-taxable commercial property. Yeah. It's medical. So it's not the kind of commercial property that we really need. Um, and it's certainly not a hospital and it's nothing that they promised. Yeah. Me in a recent podcast, mm -hmm. um, admitted that, you know, it wouldn't bring any taxes, but then he kind of skirted around the whole mm -hmm. issue like there was a way around it. So we'll have to find out more about that. Mm -hmm. But um, well, I think that's their that's their best defense, right? Is they, they basically skirt around it and basically say, we're not getting what we wanted, but I like what we're seeing. Yeah. And now that life science is the big uh, hot term out there, mm -hmm. they're going to they're going to promise that, I guess. Yeah. We seem to always be behind the eight ball because other communities always seem to be getting it, and we seem to be just talking about it. Right. Like, I found this, when I saw that, I went, you know, I looked in Watertown, mm -hmm. um, who the mayor and his host, Mark yeah. Carey, mm -hmm. led you to believe that Quincy is the next His high-paid big... host. He gets paid a lot of money to do that. <laughs> I don't get paid anything. Kevin doesn't get paid. <laughs> I um, feed him dinner. <laughs> um, 
would be the next um, after Cambridge and Boston would be the next um, mm-hmm. life sciences center. But mm-hmm. Watertown seems to be making a killing. Mm-hmm. I guess they're doing the old Arsenal Mall over, mm-hmm. and they already have five leases signed. And uh, a lot of that is only in a hundred and sixty-five thousand square foot building. Um, so I'd like to think that we could get more concrete with some of these. You know, what are your tenants? Who are your tenants? I mean, oh, we couldn't. Um, they couldn't tell us who their tenants were three years ago, Kevin. But we had to do the LDA because you know they were in negotiations and they had things very solid. And three years later, we have two different versions of a building and still no tenants. So I'm a little concerned. We had the same problem with Streetworks, if you remember. Yeah, <laughs> lots of promises. And not a lot of fulfillment. Yeah. So four of the five companies moving to uh, Watertown are from Kensington Square. And so um, maybe the mayor's crackerjack uh, economic team could uh, reach out to Alexandria, Alexandria Real Estate Equities or J.P. Morgan um, and, and see if we can get some of that action down here. Oh, no. We're just going to, if they build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything else you want to say? Well, actually, there's a couple more things in here. Yeah. Um, One of the things that's really brought troublesome, too, is I think they're going to put the, when the, the latest version of it has this building kind of going right up against the, the new bridge. <laughs> so you won't be able to see the bridge. Yeah, the new bridge that, uh, <laughs> that goes really- it also opened and nobody's on it. And I know the mayor likes to do his mocking voice. People saying that's a bridge. No, what's good as that? Hopefully... It, it will make sense, you know, later. But if if you see the the site drawings for this, mm-hmm. this proposed site, they have the life science and medical building right up against the bridge. So, I mean, what good is a bridge if a bridge that ornate if you can't capture it from a somewhat of a distance? Yeah, it's um, it's a little it's a little crazy what's happening. I mean, and and obviously the developers and and the mayor are saying, oh, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with what they're doing. Right. First, he was like. That's where that's where housing belongs. Now he's like, housing is too much, so I agree with this. And affordable housing. And now he's going to make it up in other locations. They don't, they're not doing it at the hospital, and they're not doing it yeah. now down there. Right. He said Mayor Tom uh, Mayor Thomas Koch said the developer won't be getting out of its obligation to build affordable housing because mm-hmm. the parking way project is just one of four the developer has in the works in Quincy. Um, Doesn't matter. <laughs> and we're going to incorporate what they owe from the Sonic Temple which is also um, something that uh, surfaced during our absence. Uh, we're not really going to talk about that. Citizens Bank and Hospital Hill. Fox Rock is obligated to build or pay for at least 66 affordable housing units if it chooses to not designate 66 on-site units as affordable. It could build those elsewhere in the city or pay at least $3.3 million into the city's affordable housing trust. Tom Koch, and this is in a, in a letter too, we're going to read. I like cash payments to the <laughs> fund because we can use that money to do other projects. Koch said they can't ignore affordable housing. It's part of the commitment. So I, I assume he's saying the, for other projects, it's affordable housing projects. I hope so. They would go into an affordable housing fund. But as he likes to say, they're not making land anymore. So they're running out of places to actually build places. And the other thing is integrating affordable housing into the units that they're building makes it attainable for everybody to be able to live there. So to, to put it into this affordable housing fund is putting us in jeopardy for what we're supposed to be trying to accomplish, which is mixed use is and making sure people can afford to live here. And, yeah. you know, we're making sky, you know, sky rises that people can't afford to live in. And I know a lot of the counselors probably signed on to that LDA. Um, if I remember correctly, <laughs> Brian Pelmucci was pushing for a affordable house. They, they probably went along with it for affordable housing. So they keep changing plans. Yeah. 
You know, the thing is, once it, once the um, LDA signed off, and this is why I said no, they couldn't answer the questions. They promised things to the counselors. They're not delivering on it. And the administration is basically saying, well, we want it. So we're just going to let them have it. And the planning board is who they have to pass. The planning board's appointed by the mayor. There's not much the city council can do other than basically keep pushing them to say, come back and show us what you're doing. And, you know, the same thing happened. LDA was signed for StreetWorks. And eventually StreetWorks was obviously um, in a different direction. So we can't afford for this to happen. This administration can't afford for this to happen. So something's going to happen. And it, it's just not going to be what we were promised. And that's not right. Yep. So the next the next big story, or it's not story, but we got a few letters about this. So we, we, we feel we have to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the letters. January 13th in the mayor's podcast, he brought up Martin Luther King Day. And he had some things to say about um, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the thing is, Martin Luther King is a national holiday now, celebrating the work of Martin Luther King and the civil rights movements and um, you know, the mayor brought up the fact that Martin Luther King, um, that people do not refer to him anymore as a reverend. And he likes to think that we're a faithless society. Faithless society. And, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, the kids of these days have no clue as to what's happening, <laughs> you know, and that Martin Luther King basically, um, you know. Right. I'll, I'll read this part of letter from Maggie. Young people today have no clue. There were real, real issues back in the country in the 40s, 50s and 60s, he said. It was outrageous what went on at the time. Thank God we moved on from it. So, and he also talks about um, how the, all the violence, mm-hmm. um, and he seems to be pinning it on the Black Lives Movement. Mm-hmm. He seems to be pinning it on that. Basically, Anything but, but I, January 6th. Yeah, so the thing is, is that, you know, the the, the uproar that was happening in regards, and it's happening, it's happening throughout the whole country, and it's happening also here in our city. Our, our students walked out of the schools because they're not being, they're not feeling that they're being heard. We had over 100 residents come out and speak at a, at a council meeting, letting us know that their voices, they want their voices to be heard from everything from racial inequalities to, you know, people, sexual slurs are being said to people about being gay or just anything that was happening here in our community. This is our community that this is happening in. And, you know, at that time, Mayor Tom Cook said that he didn't bother to listen to that council. He didn't bother to listen to his constituents that were coming out and telling them their story, their side of how they feel. And those are the people that were brave enough to come out and talk, Kevin. And that is the difference is you raise things that are not pretty in a community and it shows kind of where you're, where you need to kind of adjust and fix things. And it's not nice and it has to be dealt with to be able to fix it. Well, this administration wants to say everything's perfect and we need to actually um, just, you know, yeah, learn he our history. Yeah, to say uh, he thinks Martin Luther King or Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. would be flabbergasted at seeing what he's what's going on today. Mm-hmm. I'm not that sh- I'm not that sure he'd be flabbergasted. Um, he might be a little sad. And then, of course, the first council meeting, councilors mm-hmm. asked Mayor Coke to give seventy five thousand to the creation of the department and hiring of director. Mm-hmm. Councilors first asked Coke to create the department in January twenty one and expressed frustration last summer when it was not included in the budget. Mm-hmm. That's from the ledger. And then a, a few counselors spoke up. I know you spoke up. Mm-hmm. Um, Councilor Harris. Councilor um, Harris spoke up. And there was an interesting quote here. Yeah. While Harris did vote to support the diversity department originally, he said he never contributed to the discussions at council meetings. He said a constituent recently said to him, your silence was deafening, prompting him to speak up. And he spoke up meeting. very passionately at the meeting. He was definitely in favor of it. But the point is, is that, you know, we, we, they were all there. All of those counselors were there and they listened to what people had to say in our community. 
And they definitely feel that this is something that we need so that we can adjust and we can, we can deal with the things that are happening in our community and can work with the schools as well. It's separate from the schools and the, the schools, the students moved out, they went out and they spoke their piece and they're going to, they're going to be bringing somebody in at the school level. And, right. you know, the administration seems to think that that will fix everything when in fact it doesn't fix everything. It might fix maybe a few things, but it's certainly not going to fix the, that fixes the six hours that students are in school potentially. Yeah. But if it's not taken seriously outside of school, then it's not going to be taken seriously in the community. Yeah. So the, the message is there's a deaf, we have, we're, we're being not heard at city hall when it comes to the situation. Yeah. There's, there's a quote from Chris Walker, mm-hmm. uh, mayor's chief of staff. Nothing has changed in the last several months. The Very commission, disappointing. The, the commission continues its work and the mayor is not closing any doors. Mm-hmm. So I don't, know. I don't know why he's taking his time. He's just getting beat up by it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and then this thing I saw today on Facebook where he's hanging uh, mm-hmm. banners. Well, today starts. Uh, today starts. Yeah, um, I understand that, but he's year. surrounded by his, his commission. Mm-hmm. So I hope it's going to be more than just these photo, photo ops. ops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably not because you have to remember to be able to be open to something. You have to open your eyes yeah. and your heart. And a compassionate person would do that. Yeah. Somebody who has empathy. Empathy is, is a key word. There. Mm-hmm. It's really a sad statement because we are, you know, we are a community that is changing. And with those changes, we have to actually really look at who and how we can make everybody feel included and inclusive in our community. Right. And to say like, you know, we're doing the best we can. And we did all these things 10, 15, 20 years ago, because that's oftentimes what we hear. <laughs> no, we have to do it every day now going forward right. <laughs> and listen to today. So, and I don't believe, let me just say one other thing. One of the things that he said in his podcast, and I wrote this down was, you know, that these kids today have no clue and maybe they should read a little bit more and study more on history. Well, I have to say what's (laughs) most offensive about that is that these students were asking for that very thing. They were asking for the history, but the, but, but history to be taught in a way that can be seen through their eyes as well. Accurate. And, and nobody's, nobody's saying like, what they're, what they're saying is we want to be heard. We want to be able to, we want to teach it to teach it in a way and listen and, and let us ask questions and let it, let the conversations happen and not be told what we're supposed to feel because we're feeling disenfranchised. Right. Okay. And then the other issue in that first city council meeting was the need that you, I think you put in a resolve mm-hmm. for, right? For yeah. A lawyer. Mm-hmm. For the city council, our council for the city council. Yeah. So, so there's two things that that's been being asked for for a long time, and that's not something unique to me. Um, I think Council Palmucci put it in prior to me, and prior to me there were other people. And with the downtown and the LDA, they did hire an attorney to represent the city council, and that was attorney Jim Shea, and he has retired. So, if you want to do any kind of discussions, whether it's for a URDP or an LDA or anything else, we have nobody representing us. Right. And then when you turn to the city solicitor, our city solicitor is now a developer. Right. He actually <laughs> is developing a large unit, 24 units on C Street. Right. And, you know, there people will say, it's okay, he can do that. Well, when I'm asking him questions and he gets combative because he wants to know where I'm getting information from, well, you're supposed, to be, you're supposed to be working for the administration, but you're also supposed to be working for us, the taxpayers, to the taxpayers of the city of Quincy, right. answering those questions in a non-biased way, not just saying it's because of the administration. Because let's face it, this administration has a lot of people who work for them that just say yes, right. whether it's the right thing to do or not, because they want to keep their jobs. Right. And, and at the end of the day, I think the city council needs to have you know, our own council to be able to ask some of the questions. And some of those could be COVID-related. Some of those, it doesn't have to be just for the... LDA, it should be, or the URDP, it should be able to be 
you know, in a proper use of things? Should we be should we be voting on acquisitions? You know, there's a lot of things that are going on that needs to be challenged. Right. And if if I go to a city solicitor right now, do you think he's going to say, "Yeah, I think we should be looking into that"? Yeah, I think the city council should clearly have its own lawyer. I know there used to be lawyers mm-hmm. on there. I know Brian is a lawyer. I don't know if there are any other lawyers. I don't think so. But it's it's not so much that you that you need to elect people who have those. But no, those I know, but but it's, these are technical issues where where you know people mm-hmm. that are hired. People that are elected as city mm-hmm. councilors may not have the background in it. So. No. And, and you know, when you're asking, and, and people always say, I love when they say this, you know, did you pick up the phone and call us and ask <laughs> us that question? Well, what would the, what would the outcome be? You know, do you, I don't know. I, I, don't. I mean, you went you went to his office and asked him his priorities. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I did. You know, I haven't been invited back, but yeah. It's all and right. he gave you a list of priorities. And then last year he had a bunch of new priorities. And he said, your prior, my your priorities are whatever I decide, basically. Yeah. Right? And what I said to him was because of COVID, I asked for a list of the priorities because we ha- we have a limited amount of resources that we can do. And he said, your priorities are what I put in front of you. Right. That's and right. basically, when I put the result, when I put the order in front of you, that's the priority. You don't yeah. need to know anything until that, that comes before yeah, you. So- and quite honestly, we do because this city can't afford the taxes to continue to go up. And they always say, it's up to us to stop it. Well, I'm only one person. And it seems to me that we need to remind everybody else that we can't afford it. So, yeah. This administration is not shy. As they said, we like cash. <laughs> we like cash. We, like, we don't have a problem spending. Um, so I, there are a lot of uh, things that they are planning on spending on. Mm-hmm. I know there was a story today in, in the ledger mm-hmm. about the, the town of Milton is mm-hmm. trying to build three fire stations mm-hmm. and a dog shelter. And they're like, because the prices are crazy and Tom Coke admits they're crazy and it's going to affect the price. But they're like looking for for changes, looking for changes in plans. And they may, they may drop one of their fire stations and mm-hmm. and the whole... Do you mean they're prioritizing? <laughs> they're they prioritizing. Are prioritizing. And yeah. they're thinking about the taxpayers. That's amazing. Because, you know, yeah. we are a developer city and everybody wants to come here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's pricing people out of the community. The very people who this administration said he once represented. I don't yeah. know if he does anymore. Yeah. So Project Chair Brian Walsh from Milton said the committee is also looking at ways to reduce costs. And everything I've heard for rumors is that he's not necessarily looking for ways to reduce costs, specifically the safety headquarters. He's just going to put in like millions and millions of dollars of money requests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. I think one of the funniest things is, and I, I might be mixing podcasts, but I think in his latest podcast, he basically said that he didn't really have a lot before us. <laughs> yeah, he did say <laughs> He didn't have a lot before them before. So get ready, you know, get ready, mm-hmm. taxpayers, because we're coming for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just an interesting, it's just, it's an interesting thing. This administration, like I said, has no problem spending money. And they, you know, and and their answer back to the taxpayers is, if you don't like it, sell. So I think, Ann, we're knocking some rust off. We're getting back in the group. I'm groove. feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what time it is, right? Well, before we get to we didn't talk about the one thing. <laughs> I want one other thing to be able to talk about. I just want to mention that I there over 500 teachers went out to the um, to ratify the contract. And I'm happy to say that the contract has been ratified and it will be going before oh. the city council. I mean, the city council will be going before the school committee. 
on February 9th. And that's, that is a oh, good I thing. I haven't for, heard that from the administration. No, it's been, it's, it's, I heard it from, I was told by a teacher and it was in, I just want to mention it just because it's been a long road for the Quincy public schools. And this is, I'm just so happy that it's, it's, it's finally um, settled because it, it's not just the students, it's the, it's the teachers who work there and they need to feel valued. Yeah. And I'm happy to hear that the teachers have ratified it. And then I know the school committee will be doing the same thing on, Feb, on February 9th. So that's great. Yeah. Well, now do you know what time it is? Um, I won't interrupt you again. How about that? This <laughs> listener's meal. All right. Like I said, so we have a few letters concerning the mayor's podcast and um, views on, I guess, things that are going on today. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with a letter from Maggie. So it's, hi, Anna Kevin. Sorry, I got a little carried away with finding data. Here are my comments for your podcast. It's a very long letter, and I'm probably not going to read all of all of the data on here. But um, I just listened to the mayor's podcast from January 13th, and I was disappointed that he used the occasion of Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday to downplay concerns over racial inequality today. Young people today have no clue. There were real, real issues back in the countries in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, he said. It was outrageous what went on at the time. Thank God we've moved on from that. The mayor acknowledges that there is still room for improvement today, but it seems like a throwaway line. He makes no mention of what needs improving. Um, And then there's a few, there's quite a few data points, and I'll just read a couple uh, national ones, and then I'll read the local ones, which... He's very surfaced about things. Anyway. Yeah. In 800 jurisdictions, black people were arrested at, five, at a rate five times higher than white people in 2018. Um, black Americans incarcerated in state prisons at nearly five times the rate of white Americans. Disproportionately arresting and imprisoning people of color limits their ability to participate in our democracy. The most recent comprehensive state-level research from 2016 found that 1 in 13 Black Americans compared to 1 in 56 non-Black Americans nationwide had lost their right to vote due to a felony conviction. And then she goes on to say racial inequalities exist here in Quincy as well. I don't know how well these these facts are noted. The workforce at City Hall is 96% white and 76% male, even though the city at large is only 61% white and 49% male. Despite making up 5% of the population, black people accounted for 26% of all arrests in Quincy in 2019. In Quincy schools, where black students make up just 7% of the student population, they accounted for 20% of all disciplinary incidents in the 2019-2020 school year, representing the largest group of students suspended. She says, I wish the mayor would acknowledge these facts and describe what he plans to do to address these inequalities. Instead, he seems to blame people who have been advocating for the racial justice in the wake of George Floyd's 2020 murder for violence. Referring to Martin Luther King Jr., he said, I think he would have been flabbergasted and astonished at see, seeing the violence around the country in the last two years. That's not the way we do it, or that's not the way to do it. But the idea that Black Lives Matter protesters are committing violence is not supported by the data, according to the October 2021 Washington Post analysis of the 2020 protests. And she goes on to say, the mayor recommends that people read up about Martin Luther King to honor his legacy. I will certainly do that, but I would like to point to the mayor to one section of Dr. King's 1963 letter from the Birmingham jail. 
I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods or direct action. We would engage in nonviolent direct action. We who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring it to the surface, the hidden tension that is already alive. Mm -hmm. We bring it out in the open where it can be seen and dealt with, like a boil that can never be cured so long as it is covered up, but must be opened with all its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human conscience and the air of national opinion before it can be cured. Mm-hmm. And that is literally... That was a great letter. That, that is literally something that maybe you know the mayor should go back and read because yeah. it's history and he might have he a little bit more history. insight. And this letter is from Liz. Dear and Kevin, thank you for time and energy you take to put this podcast together. Happy New Year and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I hope you and your family have stayed healthy. I've been reflecting on what it takes to be a good leader and my hopes for Quincy leadership in the coming year. I would love to see our city's leadership embrace, encourage, and cultivate civic engagement. If I were in leadership, I would have been disappointed at the low voter turnout rate in the last municipal election. Mm -hmm. I would also love to see a clear vision for creating racial equity across our city, including the concrete steps that will be taken to address issues of inequity within city departments and in the community. I am also eager here to hear the comprehensive long-term strategy to mitigate the impacts of COVID. Clearly, we will be in this pandemic for a while to come, and I have not heard the plan for ensuring physical health for our community, particularly those most at risk and those ineligible for vaccines and mental health impacts of the isolation so many have faced. Unfortunately, when I listened to the mayor's most recent podcast, instead of hearing a plan for increased civic engagement, he chose to use a mocking tone of voice to poke fun at those who engage in local issues and refer to those folks as frequent flyers, whose feedback should be dismissed. Instead of laying out a plan for ensuring racial inequities are addressed, he said the real racism Racism existed long ago, and people should be happy with what they have now. Instead of describing the plan for COVID amidst the highest case rates we have ever seen, there was no mention of COVID at all. I continue to be eager to hear a proactive vision for our community. In the meantime, I will do my part to increase civic engagement and increase the number in our frequent Flyers Club. Mm -hmm. Join us anytime. And that's from Liz. Mm -hmm. I hope people will join Liz because I think Liz is trying to engage the community to try to get more people out to vote and um and hopefully more people to actually take a stance in the city of Quincy. right mm-hmm. and the last um not the last but the, this short letter came from a ninth grader wow the mayor really does not know the same students i know in my experience all of my friends students of quincy know what mlk fought for all too well we are just disappointed and angry that the adults have not done their part to learn from the past and make things better and people less racist. Mm-hmm. And then the last letter we have addresses Foxrow. And this is from David. 
After reading the article in the Patriot Ledger about the latest in a long series of fairy tales about the future of Fox Rock's plans for developing the Ross site, it raises the question of what proposal will be forthcoming in another three or four months. <laughs> anyway, currently, no 125-room hotel, no 200 residential units. Maybe, which the, have, maybe the hotel's going someplace else. We just don't know where yeah, it's where's going. Where's the hotel? They keep promising a hotel, but... In the downtown. It's coming somewhere. <laughs> I mean, this is not the first uh, development to promise a hotel, which, of course, uh, will free Fox Rock from providing any affordable housing units. And, of course, there's no mention of a medical facility. The latest iteration of the Fox Rock bait-and-switch format is a 250,000-square-foot science building with some retail, some parking, and a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Science fiction may be a more appropriate description. In the spirit of saving the best for last, as well as in the category of you just can't make this stuff up, as I continue reading an article, I nearly choked on my coffee when I read the mayor's song and dance about affordable housing, acknowledging that one method for avoiding the actual construction of affordable housing would be to pay into a housing fund in lieu of building. Koch said, I like cash payments <laughs> to the fund because we can use that money to do other projects. I don't know if there's anything that needs to be added when we consider the mayor's history of profligate spending. So I think that does it. Uh, well, there's one more thing, Kevin. What? I know. I keep interrupting. I'm, I've kind of lost my group right now. But this is about our friend Brad Kroll. Oh, yeah. Geez. And um, Brad um, was, it was recently in the paper. Um, Brad Laurie wrote recently in the paper. Brad is suffering from um, kidney disease. And right. he's in need of a kidney. And my heart just goes out to them. I mean, they just had a new baby girl. And, you know, it's not something that anybody would have expected um, from Brad. He's a very healthy guy. He's a triathlete. Like he's, he's, yep. he's just, he's just, a, you know, he's very, he's very, takes care of himself. So when this came, it came as a shock to the whole family. And, um, and, you know, they really, if you haven't read about it, it's in the Patriology. You can pretty much see it all over Facebook. But they have an email if you want to learn more about how you can help. Um, and you can go to Quincy kidney at gmail.com and we'll have more about that um at the bottom of our our podcast but you can also sign up and if you if you, you know, like brad needs type o he's type o blood type he needs somebody to match his blood type to be able to get that kidney you know you can sign up and you can donate a kidney too and if you're a match with somebody then maybe brad can get that kidney that he's going to need sooner rather than later so we wish the crows all the best absolutely yep. they're in our thoughts and prayers and you know, and we're all praying for a kidney for Brad. Okay. So that wraps it up for me. <laughs> I don't have any more surprises. <laughs> so that does it for this week on City Limits. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Talk to you soon.